What if we just had silence the whole episode? <laughs> we just sat here and smoked. People would love it. Like when uh, Ron Swanson did the uh, that Yule log where he just sits in front of a fire yes. for an hour and just drinks scotch. People would love it. Mm. For all the people that want us to stick to cigar stuff all the time. I mean, that would be pure cigar stuff. We're not even interrupting the cigar to talk. All right, you ready? <laughs> yeah. You can include all this. I'm stuff. going to. Okay. It's a Tuesday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think so. All day. All day. Um, we had another fine day in Connecticut this past weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about that. A lot more of it will be revealed. Yeah, I can't go much too much into yeah. it. When the interview... Uh, with Nick comes out, it's gonna that's gonna come out in the summer. Yep, it's also gonna be featured in our uh, cigar magazine. But first of all, what a nice guy, the sweetest, like just the genuine shirt off your back guy. Um, I do like to see that he's like splurging. He's got like a nice car now. I'm, I'm glad he's like splurging a little bit on himself. I mean, I don't. I've only met him. This is my third time meeting him. First time was like I I would say more so brief, you know. I was uh, he was one of our first guests on the on the podcast back in the day when Greg was here. I didn't talk to him too much. I think he came in, kind of came out, um, and then last summer we went up there. That's where I feel like I really got to know him. And then this time, even more, you know, every each time more and more. So I don't know if he was ever one to splurge for himself, but you were very happy that he did. Yeah. So he deserves it. I yeah. mean, the guy works. I mean, and we talked about this a lot of. Um, a lot of manufacturers who don't have their own facility. I mean, listen, everyone everyone works to their own talents and their own style. So if you have some guys who they're more on the creative side, they're more like I know how to make, I know what a good cigar is, but I'm not a certified blender. You know, I just know I know what kind of tobaccos I like to fuck with, and so I'll tell the factory, you know, give me some samples of this, this, and this. this is what I want it. And then you build your brand off of that. That's perfectly fine. That's probably mostly what I would do if I was a manufacturer. That's how mm-hmm. I would run it because I don't know. And I'm too old now to like, if I was starting a brand to go figure it all out, I would, I would find a factory that, that I like and that understands me. And I would give them these directions. I go down there maybe once, maybe twice a year just to kind of get a sense of the operation, whatever. But otherwise I'd be like, send me samples. I want it to taste like this. I want it to look like this, et cetera. So a lot of manufacturers who don't have their own factories do that. And again, that's a perfectly reasonable way to do it. Nick could do it that way. With his creativity and the relationship he has with these factories, he could very easily kind of just tell them, this is what I want, and he'll get something close-ish to what he wants. But no, he goes down to Nicaragua for months at a time. And he works, you know, with Agonorsa or AJ or wherever he's getting his stuff made. And he's blending and he's experimenting. He's working with the farms now up in Connecticut on on new seed varietals. And everything. he is so beyond what he like the the minimum he would need to have a, a successful company. And I think that says a lot about him. And it says, also says a lot about why his product is the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he just really puts in that extra effort. He has, he cares so much, and he has such a passion for every, all the the historical things he was showing us. Yeah, he f- had cigars that he they were off of a shipwreck in the eighteen fifties. 
He bought a part of the largest cigar band collection in the world, dating back to like 1915. He had like two or three books of bands, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, he has his great-grandfather's humidors. Yeah. His his love and passion just go goes so far beyond really what you normally see. A lot of times in this industry, people either do it because... It's a job that they got and they like it and it, you know, it's there for them or some kind of family passed down. But he he has the love and passion of like a family lineage, but his family didn't they smoked cigars, but they weren't involved. Yeah. And I think it also is from because of where he's from, from being from Connecticut. I think like having like growing up in that environment with that kind of history and and those tobacco fields you know, influence him just like me and you. We, I don't know something involving gabagool. We would we would do. It'd be some something we would do. Like if there was a gabagool industry, we would somehow be involved in it because we have like the heritage mm-hmm. and it's something we grew up around. You know what I mean? All right, you talk now. I want to smoke this cigar. <laughs> no, I um. You're getting all the good puffs. I know. I'm there. sorry. Yeah, I mean, he he. How do I say it? Because I've only met a few, I've said this a lot, I've only met a few manufacturers within the industry. He genuinely seems to, like, when you're talking, he genuinely seems to, like, listen. Like, Mm -hmm. he's actually interested in what you're saying. And, you know, we've had the luxury of having lunch with him twice. And it is some cigar talk, some non-cigar, you know, talk. And with both of them at hand, he, he really seems interested. He really seems like he cares. Um you know, I, and you really can just tell the love he has for like what he does. Mm. He's absolutely in love with making cigars. And it's, it's kind of refreshing as, you know, yeah, I started off in this industry as an obviously just strictly employee, not, not necessarily like a massive fan because I didn't know much. So as I'm growing within this industry, I'm becoming more and more of a fan. It's nice to know that he's, taking the time to do it and taking his putting his mm. all into these cigars having a rich history backstory in these I haven't met you know you see people in the industry where they they're clearly making things to make them right mm. um and to and to make money not not necessarily for the love and you see that in, in almost every every industry you're in um but you just can tell you know um we brought up uh, one of our graphic designers who also is a photographer um, and we brought up our social media team and, and one of the members, Adele, she just kept asking questions. And I know she was like, you guys are making fun of me. But like every question she had, like he had the answer for, obviously. But like he, it seemed like it was an education at some part of the trip, too. Um, it's just I don't know. He's he's a different. I, you've obviously met a lot more people than I have in the industry. But for the few people I've met, he's he's kind of above the rest in terms of how he makes you feel welcomed. Like we brought someone, uh, we brought Sydney along, who's relatively very new to the industry. And he was very new to life, very, (laughs) very new to life. And he was very, you know, he wasn't like, okay, like I'm above this, like this person's new. I'm not going to like interact with them. Like I thought that was really, really cool. Um, And he just, his, I don't know. He's just, He's spiritual. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like. And most people who are spiritual to me, they, they seem a little aloof, campy, aloof. Yeah. um, Doing it because it's maybe the popular thing to do. Like 
No, he's very much like he's in touch with a with a spirituality that's not con- necessarily connected to a religion. And he's a very a cult. old soul. I feel like yeah. If you believe like a, like in an, that, not like an old soul, like from the fifties, like an ancient. Yeah, and if you like believe in those, wonder, re- do you believe in reincarnation? I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, there's times I do, times I don't. I don't like, not. Yeah, but I think there's bits and pieces. The only of, thing I don't believe in is Scientology. That's that's like everything thing. else. I think is within the realm of possibility, but. The spaceship, mo- oh, and like Mormonism. That like some guy in the 1860s, yeah. he found everything in like Utah. I, I there's times I do believe in you don't, re- reincarnation. You don't find anything in Utah, no. Um, I'm in good basketball anymore. Um, oh, that's a dig. <laughs> a dig at the jazz oh. for like no reason. Oh, too. digging at the jazz <laughs> for no they reason. Good this too. Year? No, they didn't make the playoffs, but they Are they already in the playoffs. Didn't basketball yeah, basketball just start? Was, ba- <laughs> basketball's playoffs start Knicks Saturday. Jeff, when did when does basketball of the season start? Um, October thirty, like uh, late October, and then it goes until mid June. Playoffs are almost uh, like two full months. How are the Lakers? They're in seven. They're playing tonight in the play-in. Like the NBA switched their format, so they're the seventh seed. But they were they started off terrible. So I wonder how, if they don't make the playoff, like the deep playoffs. I wonder how that affects LeBron's legacy. Yeah, I mean it depends on what his son does too. But anyway, I don't think his son counts. Well, I, no. He, you, wherever not, his son gets drafted, LeBron said, "I want to play with him, so I'm going to go there." So, so yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, to, um, to, you know what? I'm going to say that that's selfish. I'm like, why yeah. don't you let your son have his own thing and go out there and make a name for himself instead of being like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm here too." Because the Pavarotti, he just are, wants to play with his son, which I, I know, get it. But, but now like, that means like, oh, he's going to get drafted higher. Yeah. Then he probably might because the potential of LeBron James Senior. His dad, LeBron James, yeah, coming to the he team. He can also take a pay cut. He doesn't need the money. So it's like, yo, I'll go play for the freaking Clippers yeah. for you know a million dollars a year because you know I'm getting all I have all my yeah. endorsements and stuff, and I get to play with him. But it's not like that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I do think a, Nick is a very, very old soul, um, and I'm just kind of you know very, very in awe with what he. Is. You know, there's certain things I don't want to say. Maybe we'll be we'll be able to talk about it or. It will be answered on the interview we did. Um, he seems to be in a circle, like he's getting into this a, a certain circle where I think could do wonders for the industry in terms of bridging like pop culture and cigars together even further. Um, so I think it's just it's I think and I think you've told this to him or you've said this. If it were anyone in the industry to bridge the gap between cigars and pop culture and mainstream media he would be the guy to do it yeah i i i and listen there's a lot of guys in this industry that i love that i'm close with uh in terms of an effective ambassador for this industry i can't think of anybody better like truly i I don't think there's one person i would rather have representing the cigar industry um that doesn't mean like oh i like his product the best or anything like that but you got in in terms of if we all if we all at a trade show had to pick someone to like go out into the world and explain what our community is like, what our industry is like, the you think passion, most people the would history, pick him? I think anyone who didn't has an agenda. Or or is maybe like so far removed from like mm-hmm. that part of the industry, maybe they don't know who he is, which is like that that's fine. I understand that. But like who who else is who else is is that well-spoken, humble, knowledgeable, has been involved for his long, has done as many things as he has. 
I mean, between his time, you know, he worked in retail, and then his time with Drew Estate and, and all the accomplishments he had there. It's a foundation. You know, he's been around the world. He's 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 an international man of business and knowledge and respect. He's the guy that, you know, when the, the they were doing the High Clear Castle cigar, he didn't start that relationship. A guy is like, hey, you need to talk to Nick Melillo. Like, he's the guy that you should yeah. do this project with. So he has a reputation that's already international and 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 exceeds outside of the the realm of the cigar industry. He's highly respected. I have never talked to one per now somebody might tease him like I tease him when I go there and he's showing me all his like knickknacks and this because it's fun because yeah, yeah. you got well, you you tease those you love, but not one person I've ever talked to be like oh you know Nick's actually an asshole no or he he owes me money or he you know didn't call my sister back whatever it yeah, is yeah I mean he's very very humble um, yeah. in terms of you know when you talk about his Drew Estate his days at Drew Estate and things of that nature. Very humble, man. Oh, very, yeah, very, uh, you know, it's very hard to find someone these days that doesn't say a bad, something bad about somebody oh, else. Oh, I love saying bad stuff about people. <laughs> uh, I thrive you know, on it. I, I we, say bad stuff about people in this room to their face. You do. Like you that do. green olive shirt. You do all the time. Yeah. Um, but no, he, I, he's one. Camo green. Yeah, you can't see me. That's one thing I don't, you know, you don't hear him really say, you know, I think he stays out of it. He stays out of it yeah. um, as much, you know, as you would think there is drama within the industry, you know, um, not, oh, yeah. it's not like I, I've never seen anything. Well, maybe last year there was some crazy, you know, high, big drama there. Well, there but was, there cool. was he, drama. he was, ex- he was telling me about other drama that happened, but that yeah. wasn't drama. That was just like facts of a crime. Yeah. 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 With, the, with that guy. Mm hmm. So um, you just like so he just seems to stay out of it, and he's really about his business, um, and I think that's I, I don't know I just think that's kind of his whole you know he's here he makes cigars and then he you know it's he, beautiful he disappears for a while to make more cigars comes back you know he he runs his own social media he's really well well involved he that night he messaged me he they did a. Music video. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen and, with, uh, the, with the reggae group. Yeah, yeah. like in rapping in factories, which was I yeah. thought was cool. And then the short film on on I think Seed to Smoke or I think it, the title was called. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, he's he's a cool cool person. He's a type for me for Chris Arangio. He's a type of person where like I think he like I think. I, I go to lunch with him because I, I w- if I were ever in Connecticut and was like, hey, Nick, I'm here. You want to grab a beer? I don't know if he would be like that buddy buddy with me yet because he's just so like he's so I think he's just so popular. He really is. Yeah, like, but you don't forget who you roll with. That's true. That's tr- that, you're rolling yeah. with the king. That's true. That they roll true. out the red carpet. <laughs> that is very true. I don't know. He's why. just so po- I just so see. And it's not I'm not saying it in, in any negative way. He just is that type of person that's like. I feel like everyone knows him. He's so busy, right? He's just all this. But he, I could see him being like, if I'm free, yeah, definitely. Like, de- I'll definitely do yeah, it. Dude, he like you don't ever me. get that. Like, you don't ever. I don't. I don't have that relationship with anyone right now in the industry. Like outside of of this of this. Of this I job. have I have good business acquaintances, and yes. then I have friends, friends, mentors. Yeah, almost. John, you say, yeah. Matt Booth, mm-hmm. who I sh- I should have caught up with him in a while. I should get up with him. Um, the Rubin brothers, uh, Dave Lafferty and Nick, 
are people that I consider like my actual friends. Like if I were to get married, they I would invite them to the wedding. They probably mm-hmm. wouldn't come. Although, can you imagine if they did? Can you imagine if I had a table at my wedding with Matt Booth, John Huber, Nick Melillo, the Rubin brothers, and Dave Lafferty? I would just abandon my table and just hang over. Like hang I would put out. you. At the, I'd make it a cigar table. I'd put like you and Christine there. Oh damn! Um, and then Jess would steal the show. Yeah. Well, who said Jess is invited? You heard that, Jess. You're not invited. You're not allowed. There's someone's no got, plus ones at my some, wedding. Someone's got to watch I'm the broke. baby. <laughs> There's someone, no plus ones. Someone's got to watch the baby. I'm going to have Nick bring his bring, bring family up from Nashville. It's going to cost him money. I yeah. I give them the excuse. Oh, honey, I can't bring you. There's yeah. no plus one. Oh, man. I'm in it's it that for wedding. you right. guys. There, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm all about my guests. I'm never getting married. Um, but let's see. Here's a fun game. So let's see. So you, you, uh, you know all of his brands, at least like you know the names. Yes. So let's see if we can connect this web and maybe we'll make some kind of graphic. Maybe we'll have the new uh, the new person make like a graphic. For well, they they're not really starting yet, but we'll see. Some kind of graphic. Some kind of graphic. some kind of uh, Pepe Silvia graphic to yeah. connect all the dots, because everything is connected. And I did know I don't know if you know who this is, but the common thread I have found in Nick's overall historical philosophy is Graham Hancock, who's a we'll call him an alternative historian, uh, archaeologist. He's big on Rogan. He's written a lot of books. A lot of what he says makes sense. Uh, the mainstream kind of historical. You Why know, do you call him alternative? Uh, because he 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 his theories are not like what's in the mainstream of like you know when humans evolved into you know these are the first civilization. He mm-hmm. he offers an alternative view based on evidence. There's a lot of evidence. It's not like based on nonsense. It's okay. based on some evidence, but. There's contention in the historical community um, with what he, you know, basically he says that, you know, we had kind of evolved civilizations and then there was some earth shattering event and it dates back to like 12,500 years ago. And there's environmental evidence of this. There's historical evidence of this and that society kind of had to recalibrate itself from that. And we lost some stuff and then we found other stuff. And we ended up evolving uh, to a, into civilizations in a different way than what we were. But there's evidence of different like ruins that are like from twelve thousand mm-hmm. years ago that are way more advanced than what we find from like five thousand years ago. Jeez. It's all this stuff. Check it. He's a def- Netflix documentary, and he's been on Rogan a lot. Um, and in fact, he was the reason, uh, from what Nick told me, he was the reason that he got into Rogan. That that Nick got into Joe Rogan was because he had read he Graham on, Hancock's book and okay. he was on Joe Rogan like 10 years ago for the first time. But it's all this kind of historical, mythological connections um, and even the ones that aren't based in that have a connection to that. So we're going to start out with this first brand that was Wawense, which is, well, in itself is a, a mythological, I think it was a book or some kind of narrative written down in Nicaraguan culture about like a wise, like a shaman. Mm-hmm. And it was some story and it's like actually registered as like, you know, historically significant. It's like part of some, like the registrar of historically significant works and, and arts, artistic works is the the tale or whatever, or the story of El Wawense, the wise man. And this was Nick's, Nick, and how what I say about every every project that Nick does is that it's a love letter to whoever, it, whatever it's about. So Wawense, and then later on the wise man Maduro, is his love letter to his adopted home of Nicaragua. He lived there almost 10 years when he was with Drew Estate. He mostly lived there. Yeah. Um, very. I think he didn't come, I think he didn't leave Nicaragua. He moved to Nicaragua when he took over the factory. I don't think he left for like two years at all. Wow. 
and then maybe he started traveling or whatever. And but now, even now, you know, his he's an American-based company. He doesn't own a factory in Nicaragua. His office is in Connecticut. His team is in Connecticut. All the stores are in the U.S. And he still is down there several months a year, planning and and working with you know with the with the manufacturers and with the fields and everything. So he has a deep, deep love and respect for the culture of Nicaragua and what it offers. And this, I, I go over this also in my article for the magazine, that he's always showing respect to the cultures and the people that helped him along the way or gave him knowledge or gave him advice or offered him a home. So we have the wise man and later on the wise man Maduro. That's his love letter to Nicaragua. Then you have Charter Oak, which is his love letter to Connecticut. Yeah. The Charter Oak was the big tree and it, it was like the state tree of Connecticut and then it was struck by lightning and now I think it like the chair at the at the state house is made from wood from that tree and you know something like that. Now there's an interesting connection that we found out. We can't go into too much detail about this, but between Connecticut and Jamaica. Yeah. That ja- Connecticut used Jamaican workers during World War II to kind of work the tobacco fields. Um, and they were growing cigar tobacco in Jamaica for many, many years. So there's this kind of strange relationship and connection between Connecticut and Jamaica. Is that the influence of the upsetters? Or? The upsetters. Okay. Very right. good. Very good. There you go. Very good. So you have the upsetters, which is uh, his inf- kind of infused lines. Very good for an infused cigar, which I'm usually not a fan of. It's very good. I want to play some. Are they still, or is, is that line still in production? Does he still, he does make it? Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I've, I've haven't seen it. Can you check if it's online, actually, Jeff? The upsetters on our website. Um, I haven't seen it. I don't. You know, there's a small section in the store foundation. I don't see it there. I would. I wouldn't mind trying that. That's one line of his I haven't tried. Oh God, damn it! Nash in the pants. <laughs> I hate that. They do. Okay. Yeah. So then you have the upsetters. And by the way, this is not going in any kind of like chronological order of when he made these things. This is just I'm 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 just putting the threads together. So you have this connection between Connecticut and Jamaica. Then you have this connection because of um, Rastafarianism. I think is how you is that is that Rastafarian is that, Rastafarian is that, yeah. Between Rastafarianism, I think this is the real thing. If anyone else. I think this is the connection. And Ethiopia. There's some connection between, and I don't know if it was when slaves were taken over to Jamaica during the British colonial times, or there's some connection between Rastafarianism and Ethiopia, particularly Haile Selassie, the king that is featured on Tabernacle. All right? There really is. So there's that connection there. And also Haile Selassie, who was the great king and, and his family now lives in exile um, I think in, in the Washington D.C. Uh, this king of Ethiopia was known as the wise man that was his he was that was his nickname now how does the tabernacle Ethiopia how does this kind of blend into anything else well and I knew this well before I even met Nick there's been plenty of documentaries on this the connection between Judeo-Christianity and Ethiopia Ethiopia is actually you know I feel like in, in Western history, you know, what's, what's taught in schools, I think it's changing a little bit now, is a lot of parts of African history are kind of left off. You know, they kind of touch on anything that's connected to a European history. So ancient Egypt, they'll touch on, or they'll touch on like Carthage because it's connection to Rome and that. But 
if, as you go down the continent, like there's a very rich histories pre-colonialism that people should look into, um, and particularly Ethiopia, which, due to my history, you know, my major, there's a connection between Ethiopia and Judeo-Christianity. During the time of, I believe it was King Solomon, son of David, king of, of the kingdom of Israel at the time, and his relationship with, I believe it was Queen Sheba, that I think he either had an affair with, or they were married, or there was some, it's like, it's written, so it is written, so it must be done. That's uh, Ten Commandments. <laughs> Yul Brenner. Um, and apparently, with the fall, the, the sacking of King Solomon's tomb, or his, the, 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 wherever, his, his castle, or wherever in, in Jerusalem, the Ten Commandments were actually placed into a, into a tabernacle, into a, you know, an ark, and they were taken from King Solomon's castle or tomb and brought to a church in Ethiopia where they say they are still today. And they, they, wow. the church is there. Like, you can go visit the church, yeah, okay. and it says, in this church is the Ten Commandments given on to Moses on Mount Sinai. So then there's that weird connection there. And he has a connection. To, yeah, him, he himself has a connection to Ethiopia, right? I don't actually know. I don't well, know. Where, I'm sorry, where was he, like... Wasn't he knighted or? He was. I don't know how he established that relationship. Though. Okay. He has a deep relationship with the, the royal family of Ethiopia living in exile. He was recently made a, a knight's commander um, of the royal order of King Menelik, which is another cigar. Yep. Of em- I'm sorry, Emperor Menelik II. So there is a connection. To, but I, I don't know what Nick's, per- like how he got, he might just be, because maybe he was involved in history and so yeah. he was, Doing a lot of maybe he named the cigar in honor of them and then they noticed it and they're like, Oh, that's cool, let's talk and hang out. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how he got into that. But the Tabernacle brand, as you know, it was probably one of his, his bigger selling ones, um, and his connection with the Ethiopian history and royal family. And also this theory of the covenant being taken and the tabernacle being placed in Ethiopia is covered by Graham Hancock in a lot of his books. Another thing covered by Graham Hancock is like these so these like these first civilizations that that kind of popped up and I I want to say it's pre-Mesopotamia around the time of Mesopotamia and one of them that Graham Hancock discusses is the Olmecs of Mexico. So this is pre-Aztec Inca, I believe. Don't quote me on it. I might be misremembering the documentary and what I read. But I think it's pre-Aztec, Inca, Mayans, or around that same time. But they were a civilization, a very civilized group living in Mexico. Like very, when I say civilized, I mean very advanced. You know, advanced for the time. Mm-hmm. And they uncovered these giant stone heads um, from the Olmec in the same valley that, like the San Andreas, where the tobacco was grown. And these heads had, you know, depicted what looked to be like cigar tobacco being smoked. And apparently it is the first like artistic rendering of like the oldest rendering of cigar tobacco ever. So uh, for many years, it was thought of like this really originated with the Cohiba, um, the Taino tribe. And, uh, you know, that's where Cohiba comes from in in Cuba and Central America. Mm -hmm. But apparently the Olmec civilization, which again, Graham Hancock also extensively covers, touches on like this kind of origin of cigars and the, and this, this depiction of cigars, which predates any other depiction and kind of shows that the Olmecs 
uh, people were the first to kind of cultivate tobacco and roll it into like these tubes, even if you know, it was for ceremonial purposes, I'm sure. But so then there's that, which is his latest cigar, the Olmec. So you can see it's loose, but there are these overlapping, you know, uh, influences. Um, and then even High Clear Castle, you can see, uh, you know, I, I think High Clear Castle might be the most standalone out of all this. But with High Clear Castle, you see the connection that he did when he did the um, Senator. Or sen, sen, I can never pronounce it. Why can I not pronounce it? Because the J know. is silent. Yeah. Sententer. The one you just came the out one, with. That's the one you yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Um, so the. I, again, I don't think high clear. I think is, well, is I not involved in. Think of it like uh, we have like the MCU, and then you had like the Daredevil gotcha. TV. It was like kind of. It was or like, like in how the there's same different thing, Batman's but it was like and, yeah. yeah, but it was like okay. kind of like they would cross over, but not really gotcha. kind of thing. Well, that was that was to pay homage to Downton Abbey, or no? So what did it? To, so the not the, homage, but the the family that owns. Um, the High Clear Castle in England. His name is Lord Carnarvon, the you know Earl Carnarvon, the sixteenth, whatever it is. Seems apparently a very nice guy. Nick has met him several times. He said he's the nicest guy, very generous. He wanted to make a cigar reminiscent of the cigars that were made and smoked, you know, during his forefathers. You know, eighteenth, nineteenth century, twenty, early twentieth century. That the aristocrats they would go in the smoke room and they would discuss matters of state and what have you. Much like they probably did in the show, Downton Abbey. Yeah. And through some connection, he was told like, oh, if you want to do this, this is the guy. And they brought him to Nick. And Nick went and he like looked through the records of you know what was being brought in from Cuba or Central America at the time. And he created a blend that was reminiscent of this. And that was the first High Clear Castle. Then he did the High Clear Castle Victorian, which was like the Maduro version. Um, and then he just did the... Send the J is silent. What's cool about this? First of all, the cigar comes in like a a box that looks like a sarcophagus or a tomb. It's actually based directly upon a box that was found in King Tut's tomb. And the connection is that Lord Carnarvon's great grandfather, who was a race car driver in like 1915, he was like a wealthy landowner, but yeah. as his hobby, he was, and he got into so many accidents that. His doctor's like, you got to go to a warmer climate because like your body's all busted to busted to crap. And he financed and helped the dig that eventually found King Tut's tomb in Egypt. So there was a famous like actual archaeologist who discovered it, but it was all financed. It was like it was like the last day of the dig after like two years, and they stumbled upon it. And so he created this cigar as a homage to that. And also he got um, Egyptologists from from Yale to recreate all the hieroglyphics on the outside of the box and it says like high clear castle on it. It says all these things. It says foundation cigars in these hieroglyphics. That cigar was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I wish he made more of it. I would, it doesn't have to be that crazy size, but he should make more of that cigar like right now. Um, Could you ever see him kind of not slowing down with cigars just because I feel like he's lived a full life and then some. Do you think he he would ever like find another interest in something and then like kind of fully go into it? Like, do you think that's his personality? No, I mean, I, I like, think the older he gets, he might get more involved in like charitable works. Okay. 
but I think he'll double down on his cigars to pay for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'll he'll put out more releases to help fund his charity. Okay. Kind of like what Fuente does, where like a lot of Fuente's limited releases, a lot of that money now just goes right to the foundation. Okay. To the to the Fuente Family Foundation. Do so, a lot of the older gener like the older generation in the industry do you, are they making a lot of cigars or do they? What's the right? I'm just trying to word it or phrase it. Or do you see Nick making cigars till like the day he dies? Like, or do yeah. you think he'll slow down when he's in his 70s and 80s? That type of thing. Like, well, dude, we're. And I know, we like, don't it, it could know. play into the whole topic a few months ago with Alec, you know, Alan Rubin and from Alec Bradley, like, you know, kind of getting to a certain yeah. point where you want to retire. I'm not saying he would go that route, but like, I guess it's just, it's different for every manufacturer, right? We like, don't know because this is, this is the first era of the cigar industry where we have these kind of companies. So there's no real precedent, I, mm-hmm. except I guess what Alan Rubin did. Um, I, but like guys like John, uh, maybe John, like would John's kids take it over. John, no, John, I don't no. think John's kids would, but John, Steve Saka, I don't see them necessarily ever selling. Now, does that mean that one day they retire and they offer it up to somebody else gotcha. or they just do it till they die? I don't know what, I, I don't know. This is kind yeah. of uncharted territory. Yeah. It's an, it's, uh, it's you different know? than anything else. You know, you, you have, if you want to talk about athletes, you know, at some point they have to retire, but they do stay within the sport. Um, some athletes are, you know, uh, random, but this former NBA player, he's heavily into NASCAR now. Um, Who? Brad Doherty. Oh, Is no. it Malcolm? Malcolm in the middle, like a NASCAR driver? Yeah, now? yeah. Uh, Frankie Muniz? Frankie Muniz, yeah. So, yeah, I think, it, like you said, it's uncharted territory that we're in because you have most of these guys who started – 10, 15, 20 years ago when they were young, you know, they were younger, they were in their mid twenties. So, you know, I think this is an industry where you can go until, you know, your, your, your last days kind of thing. You know, you have actors who I think before he passed, Sean Connery retired, right? Then he retired. Gene Hackman retired. retired. Extraordinary gentleman. Yeah. Like uh, Gene Hackman retired out of uh, welcome to Mooseport. They 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 yeah. had done a movie where they're like I yeah. shouldn't have done this. Yeah. But I, I was thinking about Dustin Hoffman the other day. When was the last time? Oh, he, he was, was in something in, recently but I think with his he son. Got, he got a little me tooed for a bit. Oh, he did. Yeah, and then so I think he I did. think the I roles forgot. weren't coming in, but I, I think forgot. he got something recently. He was in. I forgot. Um, yeah. So I mean, you could see this until you know, if you do want to pass it down to your you know, a partner you've worked with, your kids eventually, if they want that, you know, life. Um, I'll, tell I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to see. You know, like you, I would not be able to make. Like, I wouldn't be able to make as good as cigars as he does, but I would be able to keep the historical stuff mm-hmm. going. Yeah, that's the one thing where I would. You'd be I the, would do a, well. a brand manager yeah, like, for like that. A, yeah, yeah brand, branding for that Concept, cigar for yeah, that branding, company. Yeah. Now that I know what he's into, yeah, I I could do that. But in terms of, but that's what makes his company so unique. Is well, those is, those type of com- like you know I know we do talk about Crown Heads a lot, but music themed and mm. you know there is themes to it and i know you said pete johnson really kind of started that J- pete and john started that so people there are themes you know to even you know you look at padrone it's all family related you know mm. it's it's so there are themes to it which i think are very interesting um but i don't know i just interesting nick, i asked that about nick because he just he doesn't he's the type of guy that uh, I wouldn't ever see him kind of being like, 
not settling down. I just think if something really interests him, he's going to give put 110% into it. You know, so that's why. But I don't think cigars would ever take a back seat. No, I think I think that his the thing that interested him the most was this, mm-hmm. and because it also gets to it, it lets him play with all the other things that yeah. interest him, um, and all the people you meet in the industry, and he seems yeah, like he loves and the traveling he gets yep. to do, and yeah, and the people and the connections you make, and he doesn't make connections for like a business sense, like a, like no. networking. He makes no. connections because because somebody. From a different culture, teaching him something, he'll find that honestly more, yeah. it brings something better to his life. Mm-hmm. So he likes traveling and meeting new people, just because understanding other cultures and other people brings him joy, and that is such a rare thing. I don't even want to meet my neighbors in my apartment complex. He wants to meet the Ethiopian royal family. Yeah. And and converse with them and learn and it's a beautiful thing, it really I mean, is. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking about this randomly the other day about there are times I do. I love talking to strangers or talking to people yeah. and getting to know them. Don't tell your daughter that. No, <laughs> I'm. Talking, I guess it comes from like the retail side of yeah. when I worked retail. People just talk. You know, I've met some pretty interesting people. You know, I feel like. We are. We do live now in a world where we are not as, I guess, open to talking to just random people. But you never like look at like if Jeff were to look at Nick or anyone down there were to look at Nick, like would they know that he is knighted? Like would they know this? Would they know? Like you just, I think, because it's always oh, you look at someone and you have your already preconceived notion about them, but. It's how my nickname came about when you and Anthony, I first started, you guys were just asking me questions and I would tell you, I do this, I do this, I do that, you know, or like if any of us talk to one another and you get to know them more, I think that's interesting. But I think we have, we now live in a world where not, not a lot of people want to do that. Like you say that about your neighbor and I look at that, I was like, I don't know any of my neighbors in my apartment complex don't know their first name. Yeah. Like I just know them by the, maybe because they have a dog and my dog got a lot. Like maybe I just, Oh, it's uh, uh, so, so-and-so's owner, you know, like, you know, my don't- thing is I would much rather get to, I would much rather travel to Africa and get to know somebody. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. There yeah. Then know my neighbors because the problem with getting to know my neighbors is uh, you yeah. live close to me. And so now like now you're, you're knowing you is going to interact with my day to day life. Like, I'm going to come home, and you're going to yeah. want to talk. Yeah. Or, oh, you got a package. You're going to be looking at my packages, or you're yeah. going to see what my, what my girlfriend... I mean, I don't And I don't that. want anyone to be that involved in my private life but me, but I would have no trouble becoming friendly with, you know, somebody from Cambodia or, yeah. or you know, somebody from... Because uh, that adds to your story yeah, almost uh, you kind know, of the, thing. From Australia. Yeah. Like somebody... With a fascinating tale yeah. or a, a unique perspective, or someone who can educate me on their culture mm-hmm. and, and just something different. Especially, so I'm I'm in my older age now. I'm much more fascinated with like African and Eastern cultures because okay. we weren't as exposed to them in like college. Yeah. I was a, yeah. I was a European history major, so I know all about this stuff. I've been to Europe a few times, so I I would love to to discuss this with formerly the Dalai Lama, but now I don't know. He's got you a know, little hands. He's even, uh, he's yeah. even how you get me too. as the Dalai Lama. I have no idea. I mean, but even small, like smaller things with our former employee, Alex, like from another country and how he was fascinated yeah. by 
just things over over here like the in the size United of chicken States. Wings. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that. It's just it's it's just it's interesting. I think it's it's I think you know, I've you've been outside of the United States, I haven't. I've been all over the country. Obviously, Melillo has been everywhere. So I think you were able to have a, a finer appreciation of life in general when you do go to another part of the world and you're like, you know, maybe, maybe I don't, maybe my small problems aren't anything to worry about. Or you go there and you're like, man, these people are, you know, you worry about your day-to-day life and you go over somewhere else and they're like, I, you know, I, I know I always talk about how I want to go to Italy and how you talk about it, how Adele talks about it, how my parents talk about it. And just like the culture there just seems like this is awesome. Like, it's just awesome. I also do think that people's mindsets definitely come from just their immediate surroundings. Cause I've been to Nicaragua three and I've never stayed there for an extended period of time. Like Nick has, but I was in Nicaragua once for five or six days, barely any internet access. I would just have enough to like post pictures on social media. Did you find yourself more like, yeah, there was a fuzzy TV in in my room and I didn't miss, I didn't miss, Netflix. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to get home. And do- yeah. I was more like, I want to get home just so like, cause the hotel I was staying wasn't great. So like, I, I would like a slightly better bed. Yeah. And yeah. Like shower situation. But the interactions I was having and like what we were doing during the day, like we were doing, you know, factory tours and field tours. And then we would go to like baseball games at night. They had all the factories play each other in like yeah. a baseball oh, league. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw like <laughs> Perdomo versus like Hoya de Nicaragua and like they have a, like a cigar baseball league. They almost so, killed the umps. They lo- they had to get the ump out of there. They almost oh, killed him because he made a bad call. It was they like the take playoffs. sports very seriously. They take baseball man. super yeah, seriously. Oh, I'm sure. Super serious. But and the same thing in Italy is like I'm never like when any time I travel within the U.S., especially if it's for work, I can't wait at the end of whatever we're doing to just like go back to my hotel and right. like watch Netflix or like put on the History Channel and like just go to bed. When I was in Italy, I don't think we and I had a TV in my room and all the you hotels. I don't think we ever. Back, I don't think we yeah. ever turned the TV on. We would. Yeah. We were exploring and absorbing until we couldn't anymore. And we yeah. had to go to sleep, and so and and I think you see that. I think you. We do take advantage, but I also don't think it's something that necessarily as Americans we're stuck with. I don't think that if I was forced to go live in Nicaragua for a month that I'd just be like, oh, I can't do this without Amazon. I think yeah, I would yeah. eventually you realize, like, no, and, this is yeah. actually yeah. like, and so it's, it's honestly probably very therapeutic too to go down there and just be unplugged. I mean, I'm he's sure, a businessman, so he still has to yeah. be touching with social media and his email at least, but I doubt but any other like, stresses he may have or anyone who goes on there may have, it is a, it is a time to get yeah. kind of get away and reflect. Well, you I know? noticed in his office, there was a ton of books. He never once mentioned like a, mo- oh, he was in this movie or yeah, I saw yeah. that. Everything for him is, is serves some kind of educational purpose. Yep. Even the podcasts, he li- he likes them because they're funny, but he also listens to them because they're educational. Uh, he's always he's he wants to learn, and it's a it's such a rare thing to see be, that. In yeah, general, to be, to be yeah. thriving for information, but not because not so you can get ahead or yeah. for some kind of he, he gain, takes it as for he, personal enlightenment. Yeah, and then if it. it so happens to inspire him for a cigar line. Yeah. It's it's a win-win. But I think he, yeah, like you said, that's a perfect way of saying it. It's for him to just get a wealth of knowledge for him to be more enlight- enlightened yeah. with. And more I enlightened, think that's, more in touch. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I, I could sit here and say, oh, I wish I could do that. And we all have that, but I want to speak for you. I'd let certain things outside block that, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't just, it's different with work versus like my personal, but I can't sit th- when I have to sit down and write for work, I have a process. I'll listen to music. I'll 
put my phone away. And I try to do that when I write screenplays and stuff, but I need to get in the total zone when I'm writing Just something that I want to dropping, write. Dropping that time. When I'm writing screenplays. Sorry. Award, <laughs> award-winning screenplays. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like... I know. So I think him I, going I, to Nicaragua... No, no, no. Him going to Nicaragua, I'm sure there he might have a, a certain process when he gets there. That's he, what I'm going to ask him if we can do. Instead of maybe doing the trade, I'm going to ask, can we go to Nicaragua with you for four days? Like, me and you, if our, if, if our, if our new, oh, if our new yeah. videographer, your new protege, yeah. can be... But I'm like, can we just... Even if we don't film it. Like, can we just come for an educational yeah, trip I for think we four need days? To. Take yeah. us around, you know, show us your spots, show us where you lived, show us how you work in these different factories. Um, Because I feel like when you go on a factory tour, it's very much like, here's the factory, here's where yeah. we roll. Here's where... Nick is going to show you Nicaragua. Yeah. He's going to show you what, you know. All right, we got to stop failing going over here. You know, John, I'm just saying. John's going to listen to this episode and yell at me. But you have no idea. Like, even Adele was, like, going, going there, like, Seeing how this made, like, I think she had a new understanding of, of what it takes to make it, you know, and yeah. like, and she didn't even barely got to see anything because no, wasn't even the yeah. fields weren't even ready to go. No, and I mean, even the barn smoker I filmed, I think in 2019, of Drew Estate, where I hopped to I hopped to Pedro's area, then Willie's area, then Jonathan Drew's area, and I was and hearing them talk. I obviously I was fortunate enough to be able to film all that. But to hear them talk about it, and that's just that three people in one company, right? Imagine when you do get to sit down with a John, with a Nick, you know, fortunate enough, to, a Matt Booth or, or a Dion who do who does go to these Nicaragua or, or Honduras, and they get to sit and talk with you about this stuff. That's where you really, are, I think, are able to really dive into it and understand now more of an industry, right? Yeah. And I think that... I. I know you know this. It, I think that benefited you when you were able to go, even to like Kentucky barn smokers, you know. But then you went to Nicaragua, and I think that's Let's maybe see. where like y- your knowledge, or I'm not saying it. I know it's going to sound f- silly, but like that's where the cigar architect came. Like that's where you were kind of born. Was in born that. in Nicaragua. Yeah, you know I, I'm I went to DR like, before that, but DR was very much like a fun thing. Mm-hmm. I was still in retail. And we just drank a lot. And we like did a factory and you tour. You love it was taking fine. in information. I talk a little bit about basketball. You come back and you're like, you're like, you even said that. Oh yeah, that's a shot at the Jazz. Like you know, you when you're interested in something, whatever it is, yeah, I you dive to, into it. I but just people need to do know that more than you. Like, oh, that, and when I say you, I mean the collective. Gen- you. No, I know. I, I when someone's like, but I'm a, I'm a dick about it. But but if, you're not the only being, person who does a dick that. Fuels my fire. I'll yeah, take it. I mean, but a lot of people are like that. Yeah. You know, you and another buddy of mine make me feel like I know nothing about movies because there's times I, I, you, when I was in college, that was my time of like sitting and watching everything, diving into it. And I still think when I watch something, I watch it more than once. So I'm like, I, I said it last week, I watch it as a fan, then I watch to study it. I, you know, and I think maybe you're like, you watch it as a fan, but you're also studying it too, it seems like with movies anyway, when we talk about it. You're, you know, you're on half wheel all day and you're, you know, you're, you're just, you're, I think it's just an innate thing that you have to be plugged in. Greg told me all the time, get on half wheel, get on these blogs, like learn your shit. And I, and you see a difference between people like you and Nick and John who are, it's your world, right? It is your world versus people who I'm um, just essentially clocking and clocking out going home. Yeah. Right. So I think when we brought, when we brought uh, definitely Adele and, and the other two to, to, Connecticut I think Adele took a lot more of it because she was just 
but that's her type of personality, yeah. you know. So well, she, yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating, and especially when you and when you've been working in the industry, Adele's been here a couple of years, and mm-hmm. when you, you are, and when you haven't got to see anything, and you, so it's it's very abstract. Yeah, it's very like in the ether. Like I would love to see how our warehouse works. So then I would have an you understanding. Have been in a warehouse yet? No. Oh. So I would just have an understanding in general, or just. I've been fortunate enough to go to you, Connecticut. It does to, give you a big appreciation. Oh, like, I'm sure. Yeah, I altered so much of how we handle top fives and cigar of the month after visiting. After the visiting it, yeah. Being like, no, we got to make this. We got to like this will be way easier for them to do. Yeah, um, you tell me that all the yeah. time when we're curating the top fives. Like, no, this will be easier for them. So she's cigar of the month. Like, so I think that's just having any that type of knowledge and and I guess on, we'll say it for like on field experience, going there and seeing it and and seeing the tobacco hung up. I was so I told it. I was so fortunate when we went to the first Drew Estate barn smoker, seeing people. I don't know what their job title is, but people working on the farm up there, like hanging the tobacco. I was like, "Damn, that's dangerous!" But that's kind of awesome because you're always like, "How do they get that up there?" People are climbing up there and hanging it, and it's you can't see the ceiling of the barn because everything is so you know it's so it's hung and it's stacked. And I was like. This is in our own country. Like this is in our own country right here. Yeah. This is two and a half, two, half two hours, and a half hours away. away. And some are in Pen- so like the Pennsylvania broadly. I'm assuming there's tobacco yeah. fields in PA. You know, so it's yeah. like Florida, yep. Kentucky, Louisiana. Uh, and then you also don't forget you have, you still have your cigarette tobacco and you know mm-hmm. North Carolina is, yep. is big into that Virginia. Um, but yeah, I mean it's in your own backyard yeah. and and taking a simple trip up there. It gives you one tenth of the experience of like going to a Nicaragua, but it gives yeah. you a sense of what like that one is foot like. in one foot in the door. Essentially, I mean, my you first barn experience was in Kentucky. The first that was the first time I walked into a curing barn, and now it's very different than walking into one in Connecticut, particularly the smell because of the different types of tobacco. Yeah, the but cli- it is a the surreal down there. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is a surreal moment. So if anyone gets the chance, um, if anyone, if John, if you're listening to this and you think we're fangering over Nick, just relax. We'll get to you. We fang, the, we we fang over you a lot. We're always we we maybe we. Maybe this will persuade yeah. you to find the Oakland A's hat for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe if you send him an Oakland A's hat, maybe just we, maybe we have a whole we love John episode. Yeah. Okay. Which you know. Yeah, we're, we're advertising yeah. your stuff all the time. <laughs> um. All right, but uh, yeah, make sure you look out for that interview coming. Um, it'll July. be probably coming in July along with our new edition of Cigar Magazine. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, and of course, Apple Podcasts and yep. Spotify. So thanks again. And as always, keep them lit.